Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. All right, so we're going to talk about don't underestimate your enemy. Say, don't underestimate your enemy. So Satan, as we've been studying these last few weeks, he is an enemy of ours. He's not your friend. He is an enemy. And so today I want to talk about a little bit more unmasking his plots, his schemes. Satan is not an end for just to play around with us. He wants to destroy us. And so I got a couple of scriptures before I get into Ephesians 4. Um, John 10.10 10, is a familiar scripture. John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10.10 10 says this. Let's go there. Let's go quickly. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, a familiar scripture of yours, uh, that the thief comes for what? Only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and life more abundantly. So Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you can't play around with Satan because he wants to kill you, he wants to destroy you, he wants to steal from you. So he's a thief. He'll steal your joy if you allow him to. He'll steal your money. He'll steal your mind. He'll steal your peace. Whatever he can give you or take from you, that's what he'll do. He'll kill your life. He'll destroy you. He doesn't care about you. Um, Sickness and disease is not from God. And one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that sickness and disease has been sent from God to train us and to teach us something. If that's the case, then when you get sick, don't go to the doctor because you're going against the will of God. If he wants to, if if God's will is for you to be poor, then don't go to work. Right. Right. So so we know that that is that's one of the biggest lies of the enemy, that he's against us. um, He's against our well-being. He wants you to be well. He wants you to be whole. He wants he doesn't. It's not his will for a mother to die at a young age, leaving their little her little kids behind or a father. It's not his will. It's not his will. My father got killed. Um, He was 27. My biological father got killed at 27, and I was about six years old. It wasn't the will of God for for my father to be taken away from me at seven. Maybe when he was 85 or 100, it was okay for the Lord, you know, to go for him to go home. But it wasn't God's will at that time. Uh, you can even say grandmothers and grandmothers dying early and so forth. Cancer is not a friend. Cancer is of the enemy. And if you'll treat cancer as something sent from God, you'll never resist it. And you have to resist cancer like you resist um, temptation. Cancer is sent to kill you. It's not something you just, oh, you know, if it's the Lord's will, if Satan can get you like that, then you'll stay like that. So go with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Satan will also bind your body up. As we know from the book of Luke, the woman was bent over and she had been bound up for many years. Satan bound her. How many know that evil spirits are evil? (laughs) And they they will attack your physical body. This is why there's a resistance when it comes to healing. It's a resistance. I don't know if you ever know this, but even when every time I preach about it, I sense a resistance from a religious mindset. Every single time, even at KLM, I, I, I sense like that's not true. I, I, that's not my experience. 
Um, it's not based on your experience. It's based on the word of God. And Jesus went about teaching, healing, and, and, and forgiving sins. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10. I'm tempted to quote this every week. Verse 8, um, 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with who? The Holy Spirit and with power. He, he was doing, he went about doing good. And what's the next part? Healing all who were what? By who? The devil, for God was with him. So everywhere Jesus went, if he could allow that anointing to flow, then that anointing of healing was in manifestation. God wants your bodies to be healed. He wants your minds to be free from devils. He wants your, he wants your sins to be forgiven. He wants your pockets to be prosperous. He wants you to have a successful single life. He wants you to have a successful marriage. He wants you to have successful kids. That is the will of God. So we have to fight for our bodies to be whole, our minds to be clear from devils, our marriages to be intact, come on, our singleness to be pleasing to the Lord, our jobs. We have to protect what God has given us. You don't sit back and allow the enemy to come in your house and to do whatever he wants. You got to stand and you got to resist him. If you don't resist the devil, he'll just sit there and he'll just have his way. And you're thinking it is the will of God going on. Oh, the Lord is having his way. He's teaching me some things. Uh, you have to resist. If you don't stand up for your rights, no one else will, both naturally and spiritually. Think about Harriet Tugman. If she didn't stand up against the powers that be, some of us would still be in bondage. Come on. So you got to do the same thing spiritually. You got to set yourself free and force the freedom that Jesus gave us. All right. So that's um, one scripture, Acts chapter 10. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, let's just start with verse 6. You know I can't <laughs> start with whatever I quote. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6. It says, humble yourselves. All right, notice that it talks about you humbling yourselves. Many, how many have heard this prayer? Lord, humble me. Unscriptural. You don't want the Lord to humble you. Because <laughs> if he humbles you, <laughs> you'll be true humility, right? <laughs> I'm humble. But it says, humble yourselves. So sometimes what we do is we put on God what he requires us to do. We think that God wants us to, wants to humble us, but actually he wants you to do it. We want God to judge us when God says judge ourselves, 1 Corinthians 11. If you judge yourself, you won't be judged. If you humble yourself, you won't be humbled. Right? Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. How many know that God wants to exalt you? He wants to exalt you above your circumstances. He wants to exalt you beyond your sickness and disease, your poverty, your dysfunctional family. He wants to exalt you above that. So you got to humble yourself. In whatever circumstances you're in, you humble yourself and you recognize who God is and how much you need him. The Bible says God um, gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. How many know you can grow in grace? The more humble you are, the more grace you have operated in your life. 
Sometimes we think grace is automatic. But it says, for by grace you are saved through faith. Faith is the access to the grace of God. That's, I'm preaching better than you said amen. So as you access grace through faith, you can grow in that grace. You can be more gracious with your, gracious with your words, with your life. God's grace is his empowerment. God's grace is his unmerited, undeserved favor. It's his divine influence upon your heart that reflects in your life. So the grace of God, can, you can grow in the grace of God. There are things you can hinder the grace of God. And pride is a hindrance to the grace of God. You can resist the spirit of grace. Or you can humble yourself and receive the spirit of grace. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. One way in which the devil gets in us and upon us and oppress us is through anxieties or worries. When you worry, you give a door for the devil to come in. It was true by the man who sung that song when I was a little kid. Don't worry, be happy. That's, that's biblical. Don't worry. Don't worry about anything. You can't change one thing from worrying. The Bible even says you can't even change the, the color of your hair. Now, we can change it with some, you know, dye, <laughs> but we can't change the root cause of it, right? Because they'll just keep coming back gray. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> so, so the Bible says, um, don't worry about it. You got a situation, don't worry about it. But Satan, don't underestimate your enemy. Satan will get you through worry. Be anxious for nothing, but instead by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, making your request known unto God, and the God of peace will be with you. So don't worry about stuff. When you worry, you invite fear. When you worry, you invite sickness in your body. One of the causes of sicknesses is worry and fear, and fear will get you. Fear will paralyze you. Fear. Listen, if I allow myself, every time I get up and speak, I get very nervous. That's fear. I don't like looking at people's faces when I preach. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, yo, let somebody else preach. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, but I'm telling you that fear will paralyze you and keep you back from fulfilling your God-given potential, your God-given calling. Fear will keep you in bondage. So don't worry about anything. Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord. Leave it, you know, bring it to the altar or the altar of the Lord and leave it there. What we do is we get our, our worry, we get our situation, Lord God, deal with this, deal with this. I give this to you, right? Then we get up and we go back and get it. <laughs> I wonder if God God going to come through today. I wonder if he's going to meet my needs today. I wonder if he's going to take care of that situation at work today. God, I, I, you know, I'm just, you just start thinking about it. And the more you think about it, the more fear begins to grow. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of God. Fear comes by hearing and hearing the words of the devil. And so the more, and one of the reasons, and I know people say, I look at the news to know what's going on, and you can do what you want, but I don't look at the news. I stay away from the news. The only time I hear the news is if something real big on the Internet or social media or at work when they have the television on and there's something big. But a lot of that stuff promotes fear. You know, it, like you got little kids, you're like, oh, man, I can't take my kids nowhere. I'm, you know, you know, in Newark, at the, at the daycare, they were beating up other kids or, uh, you know, at this. And you, it, it produces fear in you. 
and you just want to do anything. Like, I guess we're just going to be a utopia. I'm going to homeschool, and nothing wrong with homeschool. I'm, a, I'm just going to keep my kids to themselves, and they'll get up, and they grow up weird, and they don't know how to social interact with people. I'm not saying that homeschool people are like that, but some, some I've, I've experienced it. Some homeschool students, and they just like weird. They don't know how to interact. You know, we're just Christian. Jesus is Lord. Yes, he is, but you, gotta, you live in a real world with a real devil, with real sins, and then you go off to the little Christian school and wild out, and you're like, oh, wait, wait I'm free. Yes. <laughs> and then what happened? Oh, what happened to my baby? He grew up in a Christian home. But you didn't prepare him for the real world with the real devil. Yeah. You got to deal with the devil. I mean, I, I, my, some of my greatest battles that I won was in a public school. I learned how to be a Christian in a public school in Trinity High and, and, and Willenboro High and, 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 and dealt with drug dealers. They were coming to me and asking me for prayer. Five percenters were coming to me. And I was this corny, corny country boy from Arkansas who had a crazy accent, accent and, 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 and people were lined up trying to talk to me because they knew I was a Christian. Praying for people in the hallway, praying for my teacher at eighth grade. Teacher got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And was about to commit suicide. They were making fun of him. And I stood up for the teacher and invited her to my Bible study that my parents were having. And she got saved, filled, and delivered. <laughs> eighth grade. That's eighth grade. I'm telling you. So I ain't going to put you in no Christian school. You need to be tough, boy. That's what my dad said. He kicked me out there. And I was like, okay. And I learned how to stand. Okay. You cussed me out. I'm used to it. Welcome to my world, Jesus says. <laughs> all right, so cast all, casting all your anxieties on him, on the Lord, because he cares for you. Then the next part, verse 8. Be sober-minded. That means you can't be drunk. <laughs> I know I work at Budweiser. That doesn't mean you have to be drunk. <laughs> the devil's always trying to make me drink. I mean, I'd be like throwing the, 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 the cans away, and they'd be like spreading in my mouth. I'm like, this is the devil. He wants me to drink. Oh, God. Say that I rebuke you. And my friend's like, did it taste good? <laughs> Mr. Preacher Man, did it taste good? No, it was horrible. <laughs> I resist you in Jesus' name. Well, the Bible doesn't say not to drink. He says, don't be drunk. No, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> Amen. Be sober-minded. Why, why are you working in a, in a place that sells alcohol? You're supposed to be a man of God. Well, let me tell you something. You work at a rest, fast food restaurant, you're not helping people either. Okay. And beer is only 4% alcohol. <laughs> and the rest is rice and, and hops or whatever else they have that's not good for you and give you cal cal calories as well as going to Chick-fil-A. You're killing people either way, right? <laughs> Whether you're working at fast food or Budweiser. I mean, you know, I'll be praying in tongues over the, the alcohol. <laughs> like, oh, this person going to drink in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm playing. Um, Verse 8, <laughs> be sober-minded. So you got, you got to be alert. You got to be alert. You got to know what's going on. Know what's going on around you. Don't be just, oh, I'm just in prayer. Open your eyes. It says sometimes you got to watch and pray. Be alert. What's going on? You know, what's going on with my kids? What are they watching? What are they talking? What's going on? Who's influencing my kids? Who's influencing me? What's going on in my mind? Be alert. It's be, be sober-minded. Be watchful. 
Why? Your adversary. Who? Whose adversary? Your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Satan is seeking to devour us. He's seeking to devour you and I. He's not just sitting back and he has the people of the world. He's looking for believers. He's seeking. And how does he, how does he devour us? Through our anxieties. He can devour you through anxieties. He can devour you by not being sober-minded, being so deep, super dumb deep, that you don't even know that Satan is behind your religious thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm holy. I don't need to be around unsaved people. Well, then die and go to heaven, right? We need to be we're the salt of the earth, and God makes us salt and light in the world so that we, if you get enough salt on something, it'll make you thirsty. So the more salty you are with Jesus, the more you'll make people in the world thirsty for him. Yeah. Having a life that blows off sin, that shows up sin, being sober-minded, being watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And goes on and says, resist him. Everybody say resist him. You got to resist the devil. You cannot sit back and let the devil have his way. You got to bind him. And the word bind just simply means to tie him up. You got to break his assignments over your life and over your children's life. You got to contend for your children. If you see something going on in your child, you, right now you stop it. You change. Say, no, in the name of Jesus. I mean, I remember Destin was going around. He was um, um, talking about he's going to marry this girl, this girl, like six or seven girls. Like, I'm going to marry her. I'm going to marry her. And it's like, no, we're not going to produce someone who's going to be wilding. You know, you know, you're not going to have to sow no wild oaks in Jesus' name. You're going to sow some good seed. Amen. And you're not going to make me a grandfather before time. How I many of you got to talk to your kids like that? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You got to speak life over your children. Don't wait till they become a teenager. And if they're a teenager, don't wait. Till, you know what I'm saying? You, you got to deal, deal with the devil. Resist them. And it says, firm in your faith. And knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Whatever you're going through is not exclusively for you or to you. Matthew chapter 10 verse 16 says, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. In other words, understand how the serpent thinks. Uh, you know, there's, it's, it's kind of like a myth, but it's somewhat true. Like down south there, there's like these racers on snakes, like blue racers. And it, back in the day, it was, I had a friend and he was, he found a snake and he was, he chased it off. I don't know. Y'all can correct me if you find information that's incorrect, what I'm about to say. But he chased the snake off. Um, and then first, he, the, chase, the snake was chasing him. He turned around. It was like, this, this, I don't know if it's a myth, but it's like um, if, you, if you run a little bit, the snake will follow you. And then you turn around and you follow it. And then that's the way you can get rid of that, get away from that snake. I don't know how true it is, but, but we actually believed that as a kid. <laughs> And so, but it was like you chase it, it chased you and you chase it. And sometimes you have to resist. I said all that to say it has no application to what I'm about to say. But he, sometimes you just have to resist the devil. Just like you resist a, a snake or a dog. You don't sit there and let the dog just, you know, if the dog is on you, you got to get, get away from me. Get away from me. You know, sometimes even like 
this is when the deers were wilding out. The deers was coming up to people, and they were just doing kind of stuff. And we, me and Courtney was living in a condo in Franklin Park. And, and so this deer was outside just like, what's up? <laughs> I was like, go. He's like, what's up? And until I was like, go in Jesus' name. And he like left. Right? It just, but sometimes you got to resist the devil that way. You can't just go away in Jesus' name. Go away in Jesus' name. You got, and that's how I talk to cancer. That's how I talk to sickness or disease or something in my body. I say, in the name of Jesus, you will work. Yeah. And I'm like, in the name of Jesus. No, I, I, t- I take authority over it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. So you got to be wise like a snake. A snake is somewhat wise. Satan has been studying humanity for 6,000 years. He knows what triggers us. He knows if there is a handle in which he can pull on, he will. What, what are some of your triggers? What are some things that throw you off? Some things that will lure you into temptation. What are some of the things that will move you in a way that nothing else will? Back, I'm, my confession is it doesn't do it anymore. Back in the day, it was music. M- music was able to move me in a way that nothing else could. And I'm like, Anita Baker starts singing Sweet Love. I'm like, oh, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> in 365 days, same old love. I'm like, what are you doing? No one else in the world. Jesus. Um, so we got to understand that he's been trying to rebel against God. He, he's, he's dumb in the sense that he rebelled against God, but he's also smart. Satan is smart. He's not some uh, fly-by-night enemy. He's been studying us. He knows the way we think. He can change the mood. If he can get your emotions, he got you. I mean, sometimes we are led by our emotions. You know, we are led by our emotions. I feel like hitting somebody. I feel like being angry. I feel like giving them peace of my mind. The Bible says be angry and sin not. Don't yield to your anger. A a, a violent man is somebody you need to stay away from because you'll learn his ways, as Proverbs says. And so don't allow anger. Don't allow your emotions. He knows how to get you down and out. Certain things can touch you in a way that nothing else, and he'll get you down and depressed. And you feel like, you know, just wanted to give up in life. Satan is a smart being. He was able to convince the first lady, that is, the first woman on the earth, to disobey the Lord. He deceived her. He deceived her and he, he is a deceiver. Satan will deceive you. What is deception? Deception is believing a lie. To believe in something that isn't true. He's seeking someone to devour. Evil spirits, listen to this. Evil spirits are tormented when they don't have bodies to indwell. So they're looking for bodies. What do they do in these, these bodies? They manifest themselves. They, if a spirit of rejection get a hold of you, what will happen is you'll sense rejection all the time. Nobody's sitting with you, so that means they don't like you. All right, let me tell you, I dealt with rejection uh, most of my life in the sense of this. My mom had me when she was seven. She had me when she, she conceived me when she was 16. My dad was 21. He should have been in jail. Um, <laughs> but she conceived me at 16, had me at 17. She was at this little Baptist church, which I love dearly, <clears throat> but the pastor was off and inspired by devils. And she had her get, he had her get up in front of the church and apologize for getting pregnant. Have y'all ever heard that done before? That's foolishness. And yet he was sleeping around and got other women pregnant in the church. The pastor was. 
and my grandfather, who was a deacon, going around, got two other people pregnant. This is a sin all in the house. And you're going to take this teenage girl to get up and apologize for what you are doing in the, behind the pulpit. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, there's forgiveness in Jesus. I forgive them. But as she was pregnant with me, basically rejecting, allowing the spirit of rejection to come inside of that baby. And so from day one, I felt rejected because I wasn't supposed to be here. Not that way. I wasn't, but I, I came. And so I, I, was, I was born into this world feeling rejected, feeling odd, feeling like, man, why everybody else got their mom and dad? I just got my mom, you know. And then my mom is more like my big sister, and my uncles and aunts are more like my big brothers and sisters. And my grandma is more like my mom, but I see no man in this, in this picture. I'm like, and I'm feeling rejection. Then you know, I get saved at four, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and want to turn the world up right side up <laughs> and, and try to witness to people. And then they rejected me because of Jesus. And so now these emotions of and then I get around the Christians, and, and then they think I'm too deep. And then I get around the real deep Christians, they think I'm too carnal. <laughs> so I'm not accepted. Get around black people, they, I'm not cool enough, don't have enough swag. Um, get around Christians, I'm too, I got too much swag. I'll get around white folks, I, I talk too black, or I'm too black. Get around black folks, I talk too proper. And so here I am, a mixture, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yo, who am I? <laughs> I'm a child of God. <laughs> you know, I, 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 mom cultivated inside of me that it doesn't matter if the world rejects you. I uh, went to Bible college thinking that everybody was thinking like me, but they weren't. Girls telling me I'm too holy so they don't want to be with me. <laughs> That's a good problem. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. I would have been wild and had a baby now. <laughs> but God is good, right? Amen. Rejection is really God's protection. So when you get rejected, sometimes God is protecting you. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So you got you to gotta understand evil spirits want to torment us. By being inside of us. And as a Christian, you can't be possessed, but you can be oppressed. Evil spirits can come inside of your soulless realm and torment you. Make you feel rejected. Make you feel angry. Make you, those are evil spirits expressing themselves through your body, through your emotions. So you got to check your emotions. When you feel like something's going on, just you got to check it to see if it's God or is it you or is it an enemy. Put your emotions in check. Why, why is it that every time you, you know, racism is something that I dealt with a long time, and it, 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 do, it touches me in a way that it, I, I get really, 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 really upset, like really, really upset, because I dealt with it. I've been in Arkansas, right? <laughs> um, I dealt with it, and I'm like, Aah! and then yet I go look at roots, right? <laughs> Kente, Kunta Kente. Y'all know who Kunta Kente is, right? All right. my, my, my dad was so inspired by that movie, he named one of my brothers Kente. <laughs> True story. <laughs> like, why you do this? And then I got a tradition. Every time a baby's born in our house, I'm like, behold, the only one bit greater than yourself. I go outside and the moon be out. I'm like, what? Honey, like, Courtney be like, what are you doing? That's demonic. <laughs> <laughs> True, true story. I be lifting up. Behold, the only one greater than yourself. All right, so you got to be careful. You got to be on a guard. <laughs> Let's go to Ephesians 4. <laughs> Ephesians 4. That's a true story. I got videos of every kid. Behold. Cody's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, this, is this scriptural? <laughs> Blame my daddy. Daddy was like, power to the people. He was getting meetings. <laughs> you know, I mean, he went to Vietnam. He was wild. Wow. That was wild, man. 
thank God he got saved a month before he died. Um, here we go. Ephesians 4 tells us how to stand against the, the plots or the schemes of the devil. In Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 1, verse, um, chapter 1 through chapter 3 tells us what God accomplished for us in Jesus. Okay? As you read Ephesians, six chapters of Ephesians, right? The first three chapters in Ephesians don't really tell us what to do. Only tells us what God actually accomplished for us in Christ. How God has placed us and set us at his, at his right hand in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How we were predestined and beloved by God, accepted and beloved. How we've been given the spirit by, um, as a way of um, as a seal, sealing us with the Holy Spirit as a way to guarantee that our redemption will be complete. In Ephesians 2, it talks about how we were dead in our sins and trespasses and how God has quickened us or made us alive in Christ and how God is creating, listen to this, how God is creating a new humanity in, in Jesus, bringing both the Gentiles and the Jews together in Christ. Ephesians 3 talks about how God has um, given um, making us, made us more like Christ and, and has placed us in this great body. Then Ephesians chapter 4 through 6 tells us how to live in light of what Jesus has done for us. I'll give you a homework, homework assignment. Read the book of Ephesians this week. That's your homework assignment. So what's your homework assignment? Read the book of Ephesians. So as you read Ephesians 1 through 3, you'll see what God has accomplished for us in Christ and Ephesians 4 through 6 tells us how to live in light of what Jesus has done. All right, so we're going to start with Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, let's talk about don't underestimate your enemy. The first thing Paul says after he begins to expound on what God has done for us in Jesus, he tells us in verse 1, it says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. He was actually in prison when he wrote this. Imagine being in prison not because of something you've done in the sense of your own crimes, but you're actually in prison for standing up for the Lord and being a witness and declaring his word. Most of us will we, we'll complain to God, say, God, why did you allow this to happen? He says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord and urge you to walk in a matter, manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Notice this, that the first way to stand or not to underestimate your enemy, Satan, is to walk in a way that is worthy of the Lord. How many know that we got to live the life that we sing about? We got to live the life that we talk about. And we as Christians have been accused by the world that we are hypocrites. They are correct. We are. We've set the alarm and keep pushing the alarm. Hypocrite. <laughs> we say that we're going to go on a diet and we eat what we want. Hypocrite, right? We say we, you know, we're going to be, we sign an agreement with this credit card company and say, hey, I'm going to pay this minimum payment every week. And sometimes we miss it. Or the car payment, or the mortgage, or the rent, or whatever the case may be, or the student loans. Or, or we say that we're going to do assignment and we don't do it. Or whatever the case may be, we, don't, we have a tendency of not keeping our words. But the point is not to become a, I mean, of course, you don't need to be a hypocrite. But the point is to point to Jesus, say he's the one that's not a hypocrite. We have been redeemed. We're not perfect, but we've been redeemed. Here the scripture tells us to walk in a way that is worthy of the Lord. If you'll just live right, walk in a way that brings glory to God, you, you're able to stand against the enemy. The enemy has nothing on you when you live in a way that is holy. 
places I go. I go to Wawa and some young lady's like, hey, PD. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I don't know who that. I went to Atlanta one time and I was at uh, World Changers Church. I mean, nobody really knows me at World Changers, Dr. Creflo Dollar. And so I go down, to, I'm in the, in the uh, aisle and talking to some friends and this guy's Pastor Wayne. I was like, hey, glad I'm living right, right? <laughs> you got to live in a way that's worthy of the Lord. Had somebody yesterday tell me, oh, oh, I've, I've heard so much about you. I was like, oh, I haven't heard much about you. Went to the barbershop. Oh, hey, Pastor Dwayne. I said, hey, you don't know me, I know you. Hey. It's creepy. Like, like, how is it that you're going to know me, you know, and, and I don't know you? I mean, it's just like, whoa. So you got to live in a way that's holy, that's righteous. One guy, I went to a play in PA, Eastern PA, and this guy said, like, hey, yo, I heard your message about fatherhood. I said, hey. It was weird. <laughs> uh, so here, walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. Verse 2, it says, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Notice this, that we got to protect the unity of the Spirit. The devil hates unity. Everybody say, the devil hates unity. Guess what? I started writing my first book. Well, actually, let me stop lying. This is my fifth book. <laughs> And so the name of this book is called Sex, Sexless Marriage. Oh, y'all, that doesn't went over pretty well. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> um, so in, the, in this book, one of the things I said was that one of the ways in which the, the reason why the devil wants people in marriage not to have sex is because uh, it makes us, it's, it's the, it's the um, ultimate expression of oneness. And so the Satan is after destroying the oneness of a couple. If he can get you off the, off the, on, in the, on the wrong page, he got you. He, he can conquer and divide by dividing you first, um, spiritually dividing you, sexually dividing you. You got couples who live in, sleep in different rooms. Ungodly, leave it to beaver. I mean, what's wrong with y'all? Like, you know, it's supposed to, y'all, some of y'all folks are like, leave it to beaver. Uh, <laughs> Brady Bunch. Live, living, sleeping in different rooms. Like, what a portrayal of, of, of a demonic marriage, a Satan filled marriage. Now, don't go back and ask your parents, are y'all sleeping together? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> like, mom and dad, did y'all sleep on, together on a regular basis? <laughs> uh, uh, but it's demonic to have a sexless marriage. Part of the book is to, is to, is to protect. And, and I said this in the book. I said, if you want to measure how much Satan is in a marriage, go to the bedroom. And if you want to measure how much Satan is in a unmarried couple situation, go to the bedroom. Satan will have you sleep with somebody who is not your spouse. And then when you get married, he'll have you not want to sleep with each other. And one time as a youth pastor, I said, I said, um, and I made this comment, and it got me a lot of trouble. People emailing me and telling Pastor Powell to, um, to fire me. It was like um, um, in, the, in the bedroom how sometimes some wives will use sex to, um, to come against um, um, their husband and says, you know what, if you don't do what I say, then you're not getting any. And I said, and I got, stood up and I said, stop that witchcraft and drop them trolls. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody from the church mother on down 
begin to write. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? You just got married. And, you, and, and Pastor Paul says, yeah, I agree with him. I agree with him. <laughs> so we got to protect the bedroom <laughs> as married people. And if you're not married, you got to protect, stay out of the bedroom. All right? There's an anointing on the word no. I love you too much. I'm, Kendall Jones got a song called Stay Say, uh, or, or, or cute, cute. You're cute, but you're not cute enough for my salvation. I love Jesus too much to sleep with you because you're not my spouse. Amen. But I'm telling you, you got to fight for that. You got to fight for that. Don't ever, wives, don't ever use sex to get your way with your husband. Husbands, don't ever use your authority to get your way with your wife. Amen. If you love her right, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave the, the fivefold ministries, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, shepherds, and teachers. So one of the ways we can stand against the enemy and not be, underestimate him is to understand the ministry gifts. Satan wants to destroy our understanding of the ministry gifts and not receive them. One of the reasons why we're to understand the ministry gifts, they have been sent to equip us for the work of the ministry. They've been sent to help us to grow up in the things of God. I'm telling you, you need to receive, when it's a true apostle, receive apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. One of the greatest evangelists just passed and went on to be with the Lord. And, and we, we, he won over 79, 79 million people to Christ. And a lot of them got filled with the Holy Spirit. He would pray this mass prayer and millions of them will receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, it's something to behold. And so we have to receive these ministry gifts. The next part is verses 22 through 24. 22 through 24 talks about how not to um, underestimate the enemy. This is all part of having done all to stand. 21 says, assuming that you have um, heard about him we, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, put off your own old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so we're to put off our own self, our old flesh, put off our flesh, crucify our flesh. Don't allow your flesh to have its, its way. So when you're hungry, don't always yield to your hunger. That's one way to put off your flesh. Just because you're hungry doesn't mean you have to eat. Sometimes people, I got to eat now, I got to eat now. Well, you're just allowing flesh to have its way. The flesh is a mess. You cannot allow flesh to have its way. I want to have sex now. No, cut, crucify the flesh. I want to cuss now. No, I won't do it. I, I do not want to be quiet. I want to speak my mind. Or I won't, uh, when you need to speak up, you're quiet. That's still flesh. You're not humble just because you be quiet when you need to speak. The Bible says be a voice for those who don't have a voice for themselves. Um, speak out against injustice. You know, um, do what you, you know. So there are times that your flesh wants to have its way and you put flesh in check. No, I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to get revenge on this person. I'm going to spread rumors about this person. I'm going to gossip about my, my manager, supervisor. It is unscriptural to talk about your supervisor. Unscriptural. They don't do right. They don't, okay, welcome to the world. You are to bless them. You are to honor them, even when they don't honor you. Mm. All right, continue. 
It says this. Put off the flesh. Put off. And then verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth to, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So one way we don't underestimate the enemy is we stop lying and stop putting on a mask. It says put away falsehood, but tell the truth. One way in, in which the enemy has, our, has a door in our lives is by lying and by pretending. When somebody asks you how you're doing, you don't always have to go, I'm blessed and highly favored. I, I actually, I hate when people say that. Because <laughs> it's like it's not real. I'm blessed and highly favored. Okay. <laughs> but how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. Sound like a robot. What, what's going on in your life? I'm blessed. The Lord is blessing me. He's there. Okay. All right. Bye. You just walk Because there's nothing I can do. You're not being real. You got falsehood. Um, the next part, it says, do not let, allow anger. Right? You see that? Don't allow anger. Um, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't go to bed angry. Don't, don't go, go to bed allowing this which that's made you angry to, 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 to develop inside of you. You know, over time, this anger can develop and grow and grow and grow where it takes you over. And it, 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 it causes you to think in a way that you shouldn't think. So don't allow anger to get the best of you. That's what I put. Don't let anger. This is one way we can stand against the enemy. Don't allow anger to get the best of us. In verse 27, it says, do not give place to the devil. Do not give, give no opportunity to the devil. You can give opportunities to the devil. Don't give him a place. He's looking for a place in your life, in your marriage, in your work, in your money, in your body. He's looking for ways to get in. It says give no opportunity or give no place to the devil. Don't let the devil in your marriage. Don't let the devil in your singleness. Don't let the devil in your, in your, on your job. I mean, you can't control the devils that are involved with other areas, but as far as your workplace, we're going to have peace. We're going to have the joy of the Lord. We're not going to gossip. Uh, one person said to me, oh, you, you're one of the best pastors. You know, this other pastor, and they would complain. I said, well, we, all pastors need prayer. I flipped it. You're not going to talk to me about another pastor. It's unscriptural. It's unbiblical. It's not right. So let's pray for that pastor. So don't give place to the devil. Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, be an honest work, do an honest work with his own hands so that he may be able to, he may have something to share with anyone in need. So here it tells about not allowing the devil to give, give place. Then it says, um, don't steal, stop stealing. How do you steal? By asking for something that you didn't work for. That went over pretty well, right? So sometimes you interrupt the workings of God by always meeting someone else's needs. You interrupt what God is trying to do. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So God uses hunger to motivate a man to work. Don't, don't allow, don't give place to the devil. Don't give your money to places where people are not, uh, to people who are not working. You're, you're enabling them to stay in their state, thinking that God has provided. No, you let me, okay, so what did you, you want me to pay this bill, help you pay this bill, so what have you done in the last five months? 
you go from place to place, or ex and relatives to relatives. You, you, you got to protect your money, even $5. You know what I'm saying? Don't, you're, we're not to be motivated by needs. We're not motivated. God sees needs all the time, but he, 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 he moves through faith. He's not moving by it because you have a need. Needs do not move God. Needs should not move you. If I get up and talk about, um, you know, a hunger child in Uganda, it doesn't necessarily mean you, if you don't have it, you should, I mean, okay, let me just pray. But you don't always have to do something because there's a need presented. I'm not telling you not to meet a need, not to be a blessing to somebody else, but you don't always have to move when there's a need presented. And this is from a pastor who takes up offering every week because it's, it's biblical. I'm telling you, you got to protect that. When somebody comes to you with a need, I had a person come to me just recently asking um, for food and gas. I said, okay. So I was, I was preparing to give them food and gas, and somebody said to me, hey, um, don't do that because they're a weed head. I've given them a thou thousands of dollars over time. And they're a weed head. They will try to deceive you. And so I, what I did is I said, well, let me, I got a sister who lives by you. Let me reach out to her, and I'll cash out her the money, and she'll come and put gas in your car and give you food for your children. And so I, I, I walked that way, and the person got so indignant and says, no, send me the money. No, send me the money. No, I, 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 didn't, I told you I needed food and, and gas. I said, well, I'm providing that but they wanted the money. <laughs> and I pulled, I said, you know what? I'm pulling myself out. You rejected what I brought to you and the way that I brought to you. You're not going to tell me how to provide for you. I gave you a way to get gas in your car and food for your baby, but because you're lazy and you don't want to work and you're a weed head, you just God just exposed you to me. And so we are be careful. We don't, don't, don't be moved by need. A relative coming, always asking, you got 20, you got 40, you know, come on, come on, help me out, help me out. You know, you know, you know, I need it, baby girl. You know, I need it. I mean, just, I mean, I saw Uncle. I haven't seen him in almost 20 years, and he was like, oh, you, you think you can give me three, uh, three hundred dollars? You've been known for drugs all my life, and you're asking for three hundred dollars. It would be, it would be a sin for me to empower you to do this. You got to protect your mother. Don't give place to the devil. Let who, let him that still, still no more. <laughs> but rather let him labor with his hands so he can have something to give. That's the will of God is for us to be in a place that we're not always asking for help, but that we're empowered to be able to bless somebody else. The goal to be blessed is not to, to always get a blessing, but to be a blessing. God empowers us to be a blessing. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's continue. It says one way we don't underestimate the enemy, it, we talk, it talks about um, verse 29, let no, let no corrupt... Corrupt, let no corrupting talk, corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fit its occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. So in other words, don't let profanity come out of your mouth. How many, how many know some cussing Christians? If you're a cussing Christian, stop it. God doesn't want you to have corrupt communication to come out of your mouth. Stop cussing. It's our blessing. Amen. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed with the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, clamor, clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
and forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so we're to not allow these things to come out of our mouth. Don't let malice, anger, um, slander, don't slander anybody's character. Protect all those things. So in other words, stop using profanity and gossiping and allowing things to come out of your mouth that doesn't minister grace. That's one way to not allow the enemy to come in. And then it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? By talking about people. When you talk about somebody, your brothers, specifically your brothers and your sisters, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people thought that grieving the Holy Spirit was only in a service where the Spirit of God is moving and you're talking and moving. But grieving the Holy Spirit is actually disobeying the Bible. When you disobey the word, you dis you're grieving the Holy Spirit. You can make him angry. You can make him mad. You can make him sad. And you sad, you call sadness to the Holy Spirit by talking about your brothers and your sisters, by allowing bitter and wrath to enter into your heart. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. And it goes on and says, and forgive. How many know forgiveness is, is important? If you, if you live in unforgiveness, you are giving a door for the enemy. And unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. Unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. Did you hear me? Unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. So be quick to forgive. When somebody do you wrong, forgive them. It's not easy. But it's, it, it will help you. It will protect your walk. All right, real quick, let's go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And it, Ephesians 5 talks, it gives us a list of things. And, and one of the things it talks about, it talks about us, um, verse 22, it talks about husbands and wives um, and making sure that Wives are submitted to their own husbands. Husbands loving their wives as Christ loves the church. And in Ephesians 6, it talks about children obeying their parents um, and parents uh, honoring and, and not provoking their children to wrath. And verse 5 in Ephesians 6, it talks about um, your, work, your employment, making sure you're not doing stuff by eye service as people pleasers, but also doing the will of God, honoring your, your employer. Emplo and, and then if you, if you are an employer, honoring your employees. These are ways, practical ways, in which we stand against the enemy. Notice what Paul did. He went from unity, from the church, to gossiping, to lying, and then he talks around about working. Then he turns around and talks about the marriage. Then he talks about children. These are ways that, in which we stand against the wiles of the enemy. How many know that's good stuff? Like, that's natural. One way to come against the enemy is by doing what's right by your family, your job, your children. Come on. That, that's standing. And then he goes into this great battle, the whole armor of God. And we touched a little bit of last week. Let's look at a couple more before I stop. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power or the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? The schemes of the devil, the plots of the devil. Also in the Greek, it, it, the methods of the devil. The word devil here means um, the piercer that the enemy will pierce us through his methods, through his devices, through his plots. He, he's after to destroy us. And he'll work on us our entire life and wait till we get 90 and destroy us. He is patient more than you think he is. If you can, if you can obtain patience more than the devil, you'll win every time. You'll win every time. Patience, the devil is very patient when it comes to your life to your, the assignment that he has for your life. If he can't get you, he'll go after your kids. Have you ever noticed the Bible talks about the sins of our forefathers will affect 
up to three generations later. And so things that sometimes you have habits or inclinations, I should say, that, was, that has been passed down by, through your bloodline that has, can affect you three generations from now. So what you do and what you say now will affect your great-grandkids. That's, that's deep, right? You don't believe me. Let's look at Adam. What Adam did, our first father, affected us now, generations later. That's sobering, isn't it? But if you get saved, what the second Adam did affects us. And that curse is broken. Um, I'm not big on generational curses, but I must realize and recognize that they do have some effects on, on people more than we want to admit it. Generational curses or generational patterns. You see in a family of where uh, everybody's getting, having kids out of wedlock, or you're having um, um, men who are not treating their wives right, or men who are with these people and shacking up, uh, and they never get married. I'm thinking about a, a uncle and an aunt. They've been together for 40-plus years but never got married. He refuses to marry her. They got kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids together. That's, I mean, that's wrong. That's off. And then you see the grandkids repeating that. It's generational patterns, generational curses. Um, you see families that's in poverty, and they stay in that poverty. Do you, if you don't believe that the enemy has, has, has really studied your family very well and trying to get you to repeat what your grandfather did, I mean, you got you to, don't underestimate him. He has studied your family. Your father wasn't a good, faithful father, then you're not going to be a good, that's what he has in his mind. I'm going to make sure that you fall in the same traps that your father or your mother did. The way, you know how sometimes you want to get away from, you, you, in your mind, like, oh, I just, I don't want to be like my mom. I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to be like my dad. And you find yourself repeating what they did to you or what they said to you and how they lived it out. You got to stand against that. You got to plead the blood of Jesus. You got you to say, you know what, this is not going to be part of my, I, do you understand that I come from family members who they sold drugs? And you wonder why I don't play with alcohol. I have a great father who, 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 who was, was an alcoholic. So why would I give place to the devil by you know, drinking the free beer that I get twice a month at Budweiser? <laughs> That, that's something that has been repeated in my family line, and I, I, I stand against it. So it's not that Petey's trying to be super dumb deep. It's that he's protecting what's trying to get on his family, on his, in his life. How I many of you got to fight against that? Fight against that. Father had three sons, three different women. Fight against that. No, that's not going to be my testimony. I'm going I'm to stand against that. Let's develop good habits and and, and a legacy that will enforce the, uh, bring glory to God. A, 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 a legacy of Christian uh, coming to church regularly. A leg My mom broke that. When she had me, she got saved shortly after that. And she says, no, wait a minute. We're going to raise our children in the things of God. And, and we're going we're gonna to raise our children. And we're going to do this. And we're going to teach them the Bible and get them filled with the Holy Spirit. And she enforced those things. So each kid is different. 
And so you got to pray concerning that which the enemy has plotted against your children or your grandchildren or your, or your, your, the, your, your adopted kids in the spirit or, or people, you know, relatives, uncles and nieces. And you see things in them as kids. You got to break it off of them. Anger issues and, 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 and laziness and procrastination. You got to destroy that now. You got to pray and get the wisdom of God. Don't underestimate your enemy. If he can't get you, he'll get your seed. If he can't get your seed, he'll get your seed seed. And one of the things I said in this book, Sexless Marriage, is that have you noticed that the high infertility of among Christian couples? So he goes after, so if he, he'll try to stop them from producing kids, procreation. You waited all your life to get married, and then now you can't have kids. That's the devil. The devil's behind that. Oh, you have kids. And then now you got to pray concerning that and asking God for wisdom. How do I pass this faith down with the wisdom of God to this child? I, it, they're not going to be like me in the sense of my personality. They're going to think differently. So how can I protect that? Amen. Amen. How can I stop what I did in my youth for affecting my children? Yeah. One way is by being honest with them. Yes. Revealing. I messed up. I messed up, and I confess that these things, and I renounce those things, and now I want to help you to avoid those things. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this? Don't underestimate your enemy. He's seeking you. He's seeking to devour you. He wants to destroy your life. He's not sitting back, chilling, and just letting you live your, your Christian life. He's not going to allow that to happen. If you get in the word of God and start praying, he's going to, you will become a target. You become a, a threat to the enemy when you do what the Bible says. When you love your spouse, when you love, stand single, loving your master, he's going to attack you. You're not exempt from the, the attacks of the enemy. Have you noticed, even in the world, last statement, even in the world, when somebody start, decided to do something good, like with their life, um, go to school, get a job, or um, um, uh, go to um, pursue a career, have you noticed that even in the world, it's like everything bad is, is trying to stop them from making progress? Have you ever noticed that? That is the devil, even among unbelievers. They made a decision to go to school, and all of a sudden, everything... That, that can happen come against them going to school. That's the enemy. Father God, I thank you. I praise you. Close your eyes. I thank you for your people. I pray that we don't underestimate the enemy. That we're wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. That we'll fight for ourselves and for our children. Or stand. And that which was accomplished in sin will not affect our children or us from generations ago. Father, deliver us from mindsets that are sent or set up in us to destroy our lives. That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. 
And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you. 